bit of a loop. Ladies and gentlemen, don't worry, nothing's going bad. It's welcome to the Lowry Theatre. There is no fire, don't worry. Please welcome a man. He'll be on, he'll be on fire by the end of this show, don't worry. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Oh, wow. We're in Salford. I don't believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming along. Welcome to Richard Herring's Lullabies Sung Tumultuously podcast. It's a new direction I'm taking with the podcast. We're just going to sing lullabies, get a guest on. We're going to sing very loudly different lullabies. See, you've got to find a new... There's so many podcasts now, you've got to find the new... So little baby, little baby, it's time to go to sleep now. Could catch on. But I was hanging out in fat jackets at... Uh, at the Lowry outlet. You've all eaten there. <laughs> and what better tribute is there to L.S. Lowry <laughs> than having a load of discount shops with a terrible car park named after it? <laughs> and a lot of the people in there look like they could have been one of his paintings as well. And they, they call it Rahalastapus. I don't know that's going to catch on. I, I've just got in. I've been doing this a little bit. I looked up to the Lowry outlet on TripAdvisor. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think anyone would seriously review the Lowry outlet, but how wrong was I? The worst place to visit on earth. I mean, that is... That's unfair, isn't it? Um, there is nothing there. Leaving was probably the best part. Uh, people are furious about the parking and the lack of machines. I hope no one's parked there tonight. You've got a 40-minute wait to get out. It's been going on since 2016, so I don't suppose it's got any better now. Uh, but uh, usually when I come to a, a town, I, I look up the, the local papers just for a... I find a funny headline. It's impossible to do that with, uh, with Salford. Uh, there's something whimsical. The, the funniest headline in the, that comes up in the Salford papers this week is Bomb Squad... Uh, <laughs> Sent in after military-grade uh, military hand grenade found by police investigating reports of gunshots. That's Salford. That's, uh, that was the most whimsical item I could find. Just reports of gunshots in that case, so that's not, that's not so bad. Uh, of course, uh, I'm staying at the Furchester Hotel tonight, which is, no, it's just, just round the corner. I've been there before. It's very difficult to book. It, that one doesn't come up on TripAdvisor. There's some amazing puppets there. <laughs> uh, and if you're wondering, 100 Greengate is the tallest building in Salford. If you're, if you're wondering about that. <laughs> you're wondering. Uh, so look, we're going to crack straight on. We've got a fantastic first guest for you. He is probably best known for his appearance on Emu's all-live Pink Windmill show. <laughs> and I understand the live ones were the amazing ones. If there's anything like the Leeds gig I did a couple of weeks ago, the first guest is going to be really fucked up to such an extent that we're not going to be able to put out the podcast. I'm hoping that will... I'm hoping that's going to happen again. Let's see. I didn't really speak to him backstage. He couldn't be off his nut. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome it's Jimmy Cricket! <laughs> You sat on your microphone, Jimmy. Oh. <laughs> now you don't get paid anything. That's, the, that's what you get. I'm getting all the best ad libs if I do that. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing great, Richard. And I'm glad you've had me on the show because I want to explode a myth about my Wellingtons, actually. Okay. People do think uh, L is for left yep. and R is for right. They're really Brexit Wellingtons. Okay. <laughs> You could finish the rest yourself. They're, they're a very clever audience. They're a very <laughs> clever audience. Um, do you remember being on uh, Rod Hull's Emu's Pink Windmill live live Pink Windmill show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rod was a tremendous performer. I mean, just to, what he used to do with that. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I had the same agent. You see. Okay. Basically, though, you're only allowed to have your arm so eight minutes or something. So all, all it, the spots he would do live with other people jumping had to, because then he had to rest and <laughs> things. 
But he was a terrific performer. Yeah. I loved him. <laughs> he... After all those years, he'd be able to do longer than eight minutes. <laughs> I think it was the muscle memories would build up. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he actually invented a, 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 the Royal Children's Variety Show. Did he? Yeah, yeah, because the, the main one, the grown-up one, obviously is going to this day, but for a while in the 80s, uh, they used to have the children's uh, acts that would, you know. And that was very exciting because I'd never met royalty before. Uh, well, I'd only seen royalty on a postage stamp. <laughs> so when I first saw the Queen, I licked the side of her face. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a little thrown out. Yeah, I'm imagining there might be some jokes in there. It's going to be unusual for this podcast. <laughs> there may be some jokes. I did that backing up when the beeping was going. Didn't I? That was good. That was a joke. <laughs> you get one a year from me. Make the most of this while you can. So, I mean, there's so much to talk to you about. Let's, well, let's, I will start at the, well, start at the, how did, how, why, why Jimmy Cricket? Why, why did you choose that? That's not your real name, is it, Jimmy? No, my real name's Billy Cricket. <laughs> no, no, no. no, well, I, I, my real name's Jimmy Mulgrew. Yeah. And when we did the clubs, when they were all round here in the, in the 70s, it, the thing was to get a name that people would remember. You know, uh, I saw that comedian last night. What was his name? Oh, so I thought, I, I, I plagiarised it, really, yeah. from the Walt Disney, everybody. <laughs> Close the door, come here. <laughs> and uh, the minute I did it, I had a Disney spell. And <laughs> now they can groan, you can groan, everybody, for that. And then, but I left, I didn't... It, Call myself Jiminy, it was Jimmy. Yeah. But obviously people mistake it for it. Yeah. But it says on Wikipedia not to be confused with Jiminy Cricket, Ah, which uh, has anyone actually ever confused with Jimmy coming out? Well, that's not a cartoon character. I want to, where's the. I actually played Jiminy Cricket once. Did you? Yeah, with the Crankies up in Glasgow. (laughs) Yeah. With Jimmy Cranky. She played Jeanette, real name, and she played um, Pinocchio. Yeah. And she had a little tube that would make her nose grow. Longer. Okay. And Ian, Ian, her husband, he Ian played... Uh, her just... brother, uncle, the brother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I played Jiminy Cricket okay. with a green uh, tail coat. So there, you might be confused with Jiminy Cricket. So Wikipedia isn't as stupid as you thought. It's important that that happens. Uh, and, but the, did the, the costume didn't come immediately. Is that right, that, that you, were, you were doing it? No, I had... Uh, the wellies came uh, earlier, and then the, the trousers... Uh, half masked, but uh, I wore a white jacket. Yeah. I, you always wanted to be original, around the clubs, and, and Bobby, Bobby was doing the, the braces, and he had the long coat, so I, you didn't want to be, because he was doing character comedy as well. Yeah. So it really, when I first did a talent competition on television, Search for Star, I wore the white jacket. So sometimes when you look at archive stuff, there's a white jacket. But when I did a program called The Good Old Days, which came from the City Varieties Leeds, and it, yeah. was a, it was a nod to the Edwardian um, time, mm-hmm. and I did a spot on that, and they wanted you to wear a tailcoat. And uh, so I wore it, and then I had a, a, an agent, a lovely manager, Phyllis Rance, who managed Rod, mm-hmm. and she rang, and she said, oh, that's, we want, let's buy that. You've got a bit of a, a, a costume now. And so, and we did, and the BBC said, no, we, we hire it from a place called Nathan's and Berman's. You'll have to go to them. And we went with 60 quid for the first one. Right. Yeah. We've had a couple since then. <laughs> I noticed the fire there. Yeah. But the only reason I mention it is because a few weeks ago, I, I had an accident poking the fire. <laughs> I forgot it was electric. <laughs> and, uh, and I rang up the fire brigade and I said, my house is in fire. And he said, how do I get there? I said, well, you've got a fire engine, haven't you? He said, no, which house is it? I said, you can't miss it. It's the one on fire. <laughs> I said, I'll keep it going till you get here. <laughs> it just my all came back to me. You know, it's quite emotional, so. Good. <laughs> I, 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 had somewhere, I had somewhere to go, but it's, 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 it's gone. <laughs> it's fine. It's but all right. it's just lovely to be with you and everything. What a full house. I know, it's amazing. Magical it? atmosphere here at the Lowry. Is there all Can we book you for the next show? <laughs> They're coming back next week as well. They're going to see next week's show as well. They love, they love it so much. Um, it's important to have that strong image, though, isn't it? But it's, yeah, it's... it's um, you started off uh, in the 
well, you've done a few jobs. You started in the in the summer camps. Is that the uh, Butlins? In the Butlins, yeah. Yeah, Butlins actually had the camps over here, Skegness and Minehead. But a lot of people don't know they actually had one in Ireland. Uh, it was 26 miles outside Dublin, a place called Mosney, and the train actually, when you got on from Belfast, stopped outside the Pudding Range. So you could, it was literally, you could, the camp was at the station. Right. Yeah. And the only thing then, of course, was Richard. I was from Belfast, so, like, I had a very broad Belfast accent. And anybody, obviously, you know, from Ireland will know, when you go across the border, Dublin's quite a lilt. We, we sound a wee bit Scottish, actually, but they have a lilt. So I was really broad, so it was very hard, even for the other Irish people, to, to get right. southern. So uh, the, the, when I used to go really well was July, two weeks in July, when all the Northern Ireland people were on holiday. Okay. And my Richter scale went up on the laughter on that one. <laughs> but of course you do, you do younger jokes like, uh, you know, my, my girlfriend said to me, you remind me of the sea. I said, you mean I'm rough and rugged? She said, no, you make me sick. <laughs> Things like that. And, and then, and there's more. <laughs> and she took me home to meet her dad. He said, are you going to marry my daughter or else? I said, well, bring an else. Let me have a look at her. <laughs> That's the stuff you do, you know. It's proper jokes. It's <laughs> proper jokes. Don't get so bad. It's interesting. There's, you know, there's a few people doing... I mean, you remind me very much of uh, Tim Vine. It's a very similar well, sort Tim of... Well, Tim does one-liners. Yeah. yeah, he's fabulous. He's keeping the old one-liner. Yeah, he's a great comic. Yeah, there. Milton Jones. A bit more Milton, surreal, but Milton's Milton, great. Milton, oh, yeah, fabulous. Uh, one of Tim I love is... Uh, He's a dark horse, Black Beauty. <laughs> That's a rip-off, Velcro. I don't think you... But Milton's got a great one where he walks up and down the stage and goes, AA, RAC, green flag, don't get me started. You know? <laughs> we could do an act of the boys. We <laughs> but we're, we're giving them the credit. We are giving them the credit. As long as you <laughs> credit them. We're not pinching their... Yeah. <laughs> We're sort of having a cake and eating it, uh, which is good to see. Um, and uh, well, yeah. So you worked in a book. It was the bookies before the before the showbiz. You worked in yeah, the bookies. Yeah, the betting shop. Yeah, it was what I worked in first. Uh, Richard, would you mind if I took my overcoat? I, I don't mind at all. I hope you've got a shirt on underneath. That's all right. I thought it was just going to be the front. It's warm up here, isn't it? It's the, it's the sexual frisson. I thought it was going to be Millican I had the sexual frisson with, but... Yeah. No, I'm wearing one glove because I heard the weather forecast. <laughs> well, he said today was going to be sunny, but on the other hand, it might be cold. <laughs> and it's jokes like that are keeping me out of the big money. You know? <laughs> it's the, you know, it's the preparation. that You had to remember to come on with one glove. On, and that is... That is... Yeah, where were we? The betting shop. Yeah, the betting bang shop. Yeah. And I remember once, a fellow rushed in very quick, and he said, I've just backed a... And the bookmaker said, you backed a... The favourite? He said, no, 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 no. I've just backed a... He said, you backed a five to one. He said, no, 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 no. He said, he said, right. The bookmaker said, here's five pounds. Go to the coffee bar next door, have a coffee, relax, and come back and tell me what you backed. So he comes up to me and he said, I can't believe that bookmaker. He's just given me a fiver, and I just backed a five-ton lorry into his Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> no, on a serious note, <laughs> I underachieved a bit at school. Yeah. I think it was the teacher. You know, one day she said to me, Richard, she said... Hi, you. You've spelt incorrectly, incorrectly. I said, isn't that what you want? She said, no, no. No, no. I wanted you to spell incorrectly, correctly, but I don't want you to spell correctly, incorrectly. That would be incorrect as well. I said, let me get this straight. You don't want me to spell incorrectly, incorrectly. You want me to spell incorrectly, correctly. But you don't want me to spell correctly, incorrectly. You want me to spell correctly, correctly. She said, correct. Then, I went home to my dad. Right, now he was an oasis, my father, he was a character. Can I linger? Yeah. I said, Dad, I'm no good at arithmetic. He said, don't worry, son, that makes three of us. 
and another test of dad. This is what, you know, stop me now when this routine goes, you know. No, I, please carry on. Right. <laughs> I can tell when you're... <laughs> oh, wait, when, when you get you're... to Brian Blessed levels, we'll let you know. <laughs> no, I said, Dad. Dad. Do all fairy tales start with once upon a time? He said, no, son. Sometimes they start with whenever I'm elected. And then another day, <laughs> I said, Dad, I can't find my red exercise book. He said, don't worry, son. You'll find it when you're not looking for it. So the next day I said, Dad, I still can't find my red exercise book. He said, I told you, you'll find it when you're not looking for it. So two days later, I said, Dad, I found my red exercise book. He said, don't tell me. You found it when you weren't looking for it. I said, no. I pretended not to look it, but I kept one eye open. <laughs> Good, well, that's the betting shop covered. <laughs> you were the Huckabuck kid. Do the Huckabuck. Yes, that was a dance, actually. Yeah. That was a dance over in... Um, well, all through Ireland, there was a, a show band called the Royal Show Band. And they used to do this song called Do the Hucklebuck, Do the Hucklebuck, Dettle, Dettle, Dettle. And of course, I always been a bit rubbery and things. I, I sort of joined in and uh, I got to the final. They had a competition in Belfast. <laughs> yeah. They had another competition to do a PJ Pro B lookalike. Yeah. And I won a fiver doing that. So, and I went home back to the coffee bar. Uh, this, you know, was the 60s and, and we all had. Uh, Knickerbocker glories, you know. A lot yeah. of Knickerbocker, six or seven out of a fiver. It was lovely, you know. Yeah. I wanted to have a Knickerbocker glory for so long and I wasn't allowed to have one. I'd seen them on, because they were on the telly and you saw them and then I had one and it was rubbish. <laughs> I, I, it was built up so far, I had it and I didn't like it. It's just like tin fruit yeah, in a, with ice. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. It looks yeah. so good, the Knickerbocker glory. You don't have them anymore, do you? Because they're shit, that's why. <laughs> I saw you at the, uh, the Slapstick Festival in Bristol doing your full show. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, fantastic. What I, the, my favourite bit, because I'd been watching Tony Slattery just before, and then who's going to be a guest oh, in the he future? Was lovely, yeah. He was lovely, uh, yeah. And then I was, so I was still in the room, because I was on the festival, I was allowed to stay in the room. And before anyone came in, I heard you backstage just saying to no one in particular, I just hope I can live long enough to be as old as my jokes. <laughs> that was before the show even started. <laughs> I thought this is going to be a good show. <laughs> <laughs> but what I like about your live act is there, there are, you know, there's some, there's some jokes that might be corny. Uh -huh. But there's a, there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's sort of a lot of postmodernism in there as well. You know, you're, you're, di you're dissecting what you're doing. You keep on breaking off about the rule of three jokes and saying something's coming, or you say, oh, that you, you discuss, you sort of narrating what's going on as well as doing your jokes, which is quite. Like a lot of modern comics do that. Yeah, yeah. And of course, if you have something to say, like, I don't think we get the service these days because I rang up Piccadilly Railway Station and I said, what time does the next train go to London? And he said, look it up online. I mean, how dangerous is that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then I went to the ticket office <laughs> and I said, a return, please. He said, where to? I said, back here. I mean... <laughs> Where else am I going to go? And he said, change at Stockport. I said, I want my change here. <laughs> so that's a good example of some of the corny ones. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it's a great, it's a really fantastic show. I know you're selling your DVD after the show. And I'll oh, well, it's funny mention you should mention that. that. And online. Uh, right. And uh, you can't buy them in the shops. No. I know, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, it's the service. I, yeah. I went in for a... <laughs> Two bottles of milk, I said to the fellow in the shop. He said, we have none. I went back the next day. I said, Two bottles of milk. He said, look, you, we don't sell milk. If you come in here again, I'm going to nail your foot to the floor. So I went back the next day. I said, have you got any nails? <laughs> he said, no, I said, but two bottles of milk. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and of course I, 
We've got a heckler. Mammy. <laughs> I'll do it the left. Yeah, and uh, just a, a quick plea, you don't mind if I... I don't, no, yeah, I'd love no, to. No, I mean, uh, if uh, they cost £10, I send them personally, and if you don't enjoy them, I've got my number there. Give me a ring, I'll come round to the house and do my act in the front room. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And if you buy them, buy them for a friend or birthday or Father's Day, Mother's Day. And yeah. Just have a look yourself before you wrap it up in the gift paper and you'll get two for the price of one. I... <laughs> You've got a lot of unexpected talents in there as well in this, the show I saw. You can juggle fantastically well. I know you've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. Play the saxophone. That was a surprise. Yeah. Well, you my thought... next door neighbour loves me playing that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one night he put a brick through the window so he could hear me better. <laughs> so, you're very kind to me. I always think when people buy a ticket, you just give them a little few surprises. Yeah. You see. So, uh, that's very nice of you. No, it's, it's, a, it's genuinely a fantastic show. I, I, and wholeheartedly recommend it. Uh, it was one of the, you know, everyone, it's, it's like, it was lovely looking around the audience because everyone was just like beaming all the way through. Uh, it's, wow. it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful show. Uh, and um, someone's going to ask you about it, but it's gone. Oh, it's gone one about it. my play that I've written. Oh, well, I'll talk, let's talk about that now. I was going to go, <laughs> we, uh, we're going to get on to that. But we can, let's, let's do all the, the plugs now, then we can nip them all out together at the same time. I'm ready to, <laughs> it's just an easy edit job. I like to think of the producer. Yeah. Um, you. Yeah, you've, well, you've written a play. You've written well, a play. You've I've a always few... loved double acts. Yeah. You know, and uh, I was in a double act, actually. Yeah. When I was a redcoat, back to those days. Oh, yes, that's right. I met a nice Jewish boy called Charles Elliott. And uh, we were called Cohen and Kelly. And he said to me, we'll do a double act, Jimmy. The curtain will open and I'll come out and tell a joke. Then the curtain will close. The curtain will open again and... I'll play the trumpet. Then the curtain will close and the curtain will open and I'll sing a song. I said, wait a minute, Charles, wait a minute. I thought this was a double act. He said, it is. I said, well, where do I come in? He said, well, somebody's got to open and close the curtain. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I, I did Panto with the Chuckle Brothers, yep. uh, you know, and I've always been fascinated about what happens. And uh, I went to see Bobby Ball wrote a play, a play called The Dressing Room. And I loved it, actually. And it gave me the inspiration and I thought, what about an act? We can, they do their sketches, but if we follow them back to the dressing room, you know, what's happening? And I made it that it's their very last night. It's their last night on summer season, they end up here, but things haven't gone well, so it's their last night in show business. So there's a lot of emotion yeah. there and things. And the health and safety, man, there's a wind blowing in and the structural damage to the theatre is imminent. So there's a, this thing, the health and safety. Will he close the theatre? So we have this. So... Uh, I suppose the next one round in the locality, we're playing Bridlington, Bridlington yeah. uh, in July and then over in Port Sunlight, but I suppose the next one round here would be the Plaza Theatre in Stockport. Anybody oh. from Stockport? I love that. that Very nice. That's a lovely gig. Because that's, uh, so we'll be playing that in January. But it's all on the it's website. It's called No More fi fi Fiffin no, and Faffin. Yeah, Faffin it, the, Faffin. the double act's called Joe Fiffin and Jerry Faffin. And because it's their last night, it's called No More Fiffin and Faffin. Oh. And who plays the other member of the double act? Well, he's a lovely fella. Um, he's a local guy, although he's from Belfast like me. We're Belfast buddies, but he lives in Manchester. And he's a very good singer, Jonathan Young. And when the Bachelors, the 60s group, split, uh, which some 60s groups are prone to do, you know, <laughs> uh, Con and Dak, the brothers, they went out on their own. And then the third member, John Stokes, wanted to reform the group. And he brought John. And John's got okay. a lovely voice. But he's come through with the acting as well, yeah. Richard, and it, it sort of works the bell thought because we're both from Northern Ireland. That, that was a, an extra bonus. It, that wasn't, we sure. only play a little bit of that, but, and John's been good. And then we have a, another actor, genuine actor, who, <laughs> who plays the stage manager. So that's good fun. So, so. It's, it's sort of, I mean, you know, it, it's amazing that you're, you're still uh, alive. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was, when I saw you, I couldn't believe. But you're still out there working and doing, doing, treading the boards, but also to like write a play. Yeah. This stage, it's that you're still kind of enthused about the job. Yeah. Oh yeah, very much so. That's just beautiful. It's hard. look tonight. Yeah. You've got this wonderful audience, and uh, and it, uh, you know, live work is just quite magical, isn't it? Sure. There's nothing like it, and well, you've done so well, you know, with your podcasts, and I know you're entrepreneurial as well as a, obviously sure a brilliant student. <laughs> 
because you know careers go up and down like for they, all of us but uh, and that <laughs> <laughs> that's why this, uh, the you know the dvd people want to see jimmy cricket uh, they you know they 10 pounds and i'm there in the living room yeah. you know? <laughs> it's true but you know the amazing thing about this chris when i when i rang up a local theater and put this on myself right I rang all my friends and said, it's going to cost you £10 to come and see me. But once the cameras are paid for, the rest of the money will go to the Spring Hill Hospice in Rochdale, because I live in Rochdale now. Thank you. Can I have a lift home? <laughs> <laughs> and when we, we got a full house and I was able to pay the cameras and there was still £2,000 the next morning that I drove up and gave to the hospice as well. So if you can get the product put it on yourself, give money to charity. And every single one, I've, uh, I suppose I've put 10,000 and I've got 9,000 sold. So I'll probably do another one when I get to 10. But everyone has had, I've shook their hand or signed it or if they've bought it on PayPal and website, I've sent them a personal letter. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it's like people really appreciate that, but it's, you know, and it's, it's lovely to have that, uh, that connection with the people who like you yeah that's good i think i think you've got a big fan in the audience i mean i was saying backstage you've got a, a long-running show with matt marriage it might be over tonight this could unless that is may shouting out which it could be <laughs> well do you know i had trouble with autograph hunters last night yeah i couldn't find any <laughs> <laughs> but like so look you you've you've been working since the late 60s mid 60s no funny enough I, yeah no i would i would have been red coat in the late yeah. 60s I sort of started when I met my good lady at the... I was a red cook, then I went into Pontons yeah. to be a blue cook, and that's where I met May. And uh, her two sisters came over from Belfast to work in uh, the Pontons in Middleton Towers, near Markham, because okay. the boat came over from Belfast to Hesham as well as Liverpool. And uh, they could sing. Uh, her and her sister Margaret were very good harmony. So when we left the camp, when the camp finished, all round here, I got them work before I got work, which is so that would have been through the seventies. But it, it was a it was a period when there was so much live work, Richard. Yeah. You know, any sort of older members of the audience will know that the talk of the north was here in Eccles, the Golden Garden in Withenshaw. But every street corner had a social club, you know. Yeah. And there used to be great stories of the working men's clubs, you know, Brian. Well, there was one in I heard this story in Wigan, the Goose Green Labour Club. And uh, this fella was you know, the curtain was closed and he was sort of uh, tuning his guitar. So the concert secretary ran around. He said, what are you doing? The fellow said, well, I'm, I'm just tuning up. He said, you knew about this show six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a friend called Adrian Walsh, who's another brilliant comic, actually, um, from Northern Ireland, lives down in Somerset. And he, he was advertised once in a, Workingmen's Club in South Wales, and it said, Tonight's comedian Adrian Walsh. And underneath, underneath it said, He must be good, he's on VAT. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lovely one about Tom O'Connor. He was playing a, 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 a theatre in North Wales, and his agent got a call in, uh, with about half an hour before the show and said, The magician hasn't turned up. So it Tom's agent, Billy Hugh Scott, said, well, there's no magician on the show. Oh, yes, there is. It's Tom O'Connor, special guests, the Triarchy Male Voice Choir with the magic of Ivor Novello. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, this, is, this is a long career. You're still going, you're still happy performing. It's, you're still out there, you know, doing the job. It's, yeah. it's, and there's a lot of people from the 70s that are no longer doing the job for various reasons. <laughs> the lucky ones are dead. <laughs> there, but for the grace of God. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a difficult. I mean, Barry Cry is going to be a guest in a few weeks in Henley. Love him, and you know I know you've worked with Barry, and it, it's it's he's again managed to have oh, this long running career. Yes, where you know I think a lot of the seventies comedians kind of hit a brick wall in the eighties when alternative comedy came along, and it was hard for them to go through that the check the taste the changes in taste and you you kind of tra traverse that i mean i mean you're not you never was a it was never anything offensive about your act anyway it was always very 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 clean act and it wasn't a, 
I mean, I suppose you could say you're, it's a little bit of an Irish stereotype, but you are Irish, so it's okay. <laughs> and it was never in it was never in a nasty way in any case. No, it would always be family. Yeah. You know, it would always be like uh, if I would say, Uncle Patrick, can I linger? I'll say to them, he turned up at the pub last night with the front door under his arm. And I said, Uncle, what are you doing with the front door under your arm? He said, I've lost my key. <laughs> I said, well, what happens if you lose the door? He said, oh, I've left the window open. <laughs> you see, so yeah. you, and then you'd go into a routine. Yeah. And that would be to take these sort of offense. I, I, I sort of agree, but you've got to circumnavigate and, yeah. and but it's loving, bring people on board. It's loving know. the job, isn't it? To the extent, because like oh. some people become too successful and then to go and do something else, they don't want to be a comedian anymore, they try something else. Well, they lose the hunger, yeah. see, I suppose. And, and, and that's, that's very important, isn't it? Yeah. To, to keep that wanting to do so well. So in a way, you don't want to be too successful because it would take away that. You, know, you, you just want a few more people coming in the odd night, things like that. The goal is realistic, isn't it? You know. Yeah. But it's to, you know, but it's as you say, and as we have both experienced, there are ups and you're you're. I mean, your ups have been a, a lot higher than my ups, uh, and oh, my no, and no, my no. downs have probably been lower than your downs. But it's <laughs> I've I've carried on right in the middle, just cruising along, and, which, is uh, <laughs> which is lovely. Which yeah. is lovely. But it's, it's it's having that. That desire to carry on and that love of it, I suppose. It's, yeah. it's and what, the thing I love about and that you were t in Bristol. You told me an amazing story. Is about the kind of the way that those your career overlaps with previous generations. Yes. Uh, and so you get stories either from acts you've worked with or or acts that you've worked with. You've worked with someone, and the, the connections are very you know yeah. seem like almost impossible. But because yeah. you were starting at a certain age, there were older comedians then who you worked with. Yeah. You told me a great story about some of the guys who'd worked with Lauren Hardy uh, in Bristol about the, the yes. ventriloquist. Yes, that was uh, I did pantomime with, with Scylla, Scylla Black, and yeah, yeah, and. Harry Worth was on the show, on the panto. I, I don't remember Harry. He used to open his, you know, with the glasses, you know. I proposed to my wife in a garage. I couldn't back out. Oh, you know. <laughs> I put my key in the front door. I thought, what am I letting myself in for? You know, it was all, it was all very gentle. I just loved Harry, really. And he used to tell me stories. Uh, the recent movie about... Uh, Laurel and Hardy, Stan and Ollie with, with Steve, Steve yes, Coogan, who I know is a friend of yours. And it's, they, they did it so well. It was so sensitive. Yes, and it was about the time when their career in Hollywood had uh, sort of gone, peaked. And they'd come over and did a tour of all the British music, uh, New United Kingdom, all, they did all the theatres for Bernard Delfont and things. Mm -hmm. Well, on those shows, they always had a ventriloquist. And Harry was actually on the show. Right. And he used to say, he told me lovely, he said, they never, uh, what's the word? Sometimes the people you look up to can shatter your illusion. But not with Stan and Ali, they were just as nice off. And Stan used to watch uh, Harry's act, because Harry did a bit of ventriloquism. And then afterwards he'd say, Harry, what if you held the dummy a little bit that way? And, and he used to talk about comedy and constructively. And he would always be writing, when, he'd get fan mail, you know, from children and things. And he had the Russian wife, who was played brilliantly, actually, yeah, in the, yeah. the thing. And she said, Stanley, we're going out for the... Oh, I just want to write a little bit more to the little kitty who wrote me a letter. It was just lovely. <laughs> yeah. you know? and, uh, and the other ventriloquist, of course, who worked with him was Ray Allen, Lord Charles, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, he told me a very important thing about Stan and Ollie. He said, when they used to do the sketch where uh, Bib, Bib Hardy was in the hospital with his leg up on the yeah. bed and Stan would come with the boiled eggs and then do the thing. He said uh, they, they used to finish the show with that, but instead of the stage crew, technicians, taking the sketch down, they'd leave it up. So when they'd get up in the hotel, have their breakfast, they would come in at 10 o'clock and rehearse it. Right. It made it look so easy because they work so hard at it. Yeah, it's amazing. And that's uh, they were, but they were special. Marriage made in heaven, really. You know? Yeah, it's a it's a terrific film about them. It's it's really nice that when you hear things like that and you hear the the color behind those stories. Yeah, and I just I just always love that. I love the overlapping of the generation. Being able to meet have yeah. another great guy was Billy Dinty. Yeah, who used to do this eccentric dance and who taught me that. And I was able blessed to have met him. Yeah, those yeah. great guys. You know, um, Richard, as you say, I got a break in the early eighties and just with 
they at Ben Warris, Julian Warris, and things. Right. Ben Warris, when I did that same pantomime, no, no, that, the different one I did too with Zilla. The other one had Billy Dean, but I did Ben Warris. He was a famous double act before Markham and Wise called Julian Warris. But by that time, Ben was winging it a bit, he, you know, with a script. So I was meant to be Idle Jack. So halfway through rehearsals, they decided to change my name to Silly Jimmy. <laughs> Which threw a bit of a spanner in the works because Ben, the first time Ben saw me as the alderman, Hello, idle, silly Jimmy. How are you? <laughs> and we were, there was a scene where we were meant to fit, uh, build the, put the cargo on the ship and head off to Morocco. So once Ben said, right, get all the cargo on the ship. We're heading off to London. And then we're going straight off to Morocco. And all. <laughs> he, he would always save things when he, he had this spa yeah. that if he did a... Uh, yeah. He would make amends, turn it into a good thing. Yeah. You know? I mean, you work with some amazing stars in, in Panto. John Inman, Sue Pollard. Yeah. The Honey Monster from the Sugar Puffs. <laughs> how, how was the... That was what, my big moment, yeah. really. What yeah. was he like in real life, the Honey Monster? Was he... No, he didn't disappoint me. No. <laughs> <laughs> was he up rehearsing every morning doing the... I remember he charged me 30 quid, I remember, just for an autograph, and I thought, I've just been stung. And, uh, <laughs> honey Monster. <laughs> I could take the groans as well as the laugh. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> oh, I'm going to ask you an emergency question or two, just because I should. Because these people, these people are expecting them. I'm not going to go blue, though, Jimmy. Oh. Do, you really, do you really want me to ask that to Jimmy Cricket? I don't think you do. <laughs> yeah. You know what you want me to ask, and I'm not going to ask him that. <laughs> You're welcome just to turn these into puns on the subject. <laughs> Would you... <laughs> Would you prefer to have a hand made out of ham? They're idiots, these people. They eat, they eat this up. It's pathetic. Or an armpit that dispenses sun cream. I mean, you must have been asked, you must have been asked this a thousand times. Can I phone a friend? <laughs> Got a hand made out of ham, all right. Would you like to see, do you burn in the sun? I mean, you got that hat, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose I would do a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I'd have to watch that. Yeah. Know, okay. Maybe the sun cream then. <laughs> we are some backstage. You're, they're all in. You're all in another joke, and I'm a. Bit, yeah, <laughs> it's all right. It's lovely, you know. <laughs> I just did it for them. It was all right. All right. Well, oh, well, look, oh, this. Got to look after your loyal fans. This is. This is. Uh, well, there's a few things. That's how we do. Oh, it's going so fast. Let's talk. I don't think I've ever had anyone on the podcast before. I'm pretty certain who is a papal knight. You have a papal knighthood. Yeah, Do you, no. Are you aware of this? He seemed to surprise. <laughs> <laughs> the Pope asked me, he thought I was the most appropriate person. <laughs> papal knighthood, yeah. that's, in, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it means you've got to champion good causes. Yeah. Fight for the underdog. Um, and protect the Holy See from the grim forces of evil. <laughs> But first, a song. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was quite surprising, really, because the parish priest turned up and uh, I thought, made him a cup of tea, as you do, and I thought he was just... It was birthday, he had a thing under his arm, but it was... Uh, you need a champion for these things, and I, I didn't understand. There was a lovely couple in Liverpool who I did some charity shows for called Bill and Sue Lees, and then they just wrote uh, to the Bishop of Salford here, and... Uh, the uh, next thing, he turns up and uh, he was there, he was having a cup of tea and he, he took out this package and it was in Latin. You know, my real name, James uh, Jacobi for services and it was Pope Francis signed. So, you don't turn down Francis, <laughs> everybody. I mean, he is, no matter what religion or yeah, if you didn't, no. but he's special, isn't he? Yeah. So, well, you know. No, so it's, this it's is fantastic. He puts it on the wall now, so it's... Oh, and rightly so. It's an amazing but, achievement. It's, and for your charity work and, and yeah. everything. But it's, it's fantastic that you've done that. And your son is a, is a Catholic priest. He's in tonight, actually, yeah. Father Frank, and he's not far from here in is Pendleton. He? I think okay. he's in St. James's, actually. He's okay. parish priest. And if, you ever, if you're ever passing his church uh, when he does a homily, the roars of laughter... <laughs> <laughs> You know, and uh, no, he loves it here. He's also chaplain to the Salford University. Okay. And uh, there's a couple of schools he goes to. But he loves it here. He loves all the people of Salford. Has, has his life changed after Fleabag is the question I, would, <laughs> I, should, I should maybe have asked him. <laughs> when I saw him backstage. Maybe I'll ask him in the interval. 
I, yeah, I, no, he'll, he's here. He'll be chatting yeah. to you. He, lo- <laughs> he, he loves you all. Well, because my daughter does stand up. Yeah, and no, some, Katie. Some of the audience will know our Katie uh, from doing her, her act. And she's a playwright as well. Yeah. A playwright as well. Yeah, very, very proud of her. Yeah. yeah. And two other kids, four children. Yeah, two of each. Two Catholics, two Protestants. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember once at the airport in Jersey, we were coming up the same way. They were all walking behind us like the sound of music. And Bernard was there, Bernard Manning, you know Bernard. He'd been doing a show and he was at the airport and he was giving me stick. Don't you go to sleep at night? You know, all the, <laughs> have you ever heard of Horlicks? And all, you know, he's, but that's Bernard. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> well. Uh, let's talk about because we your kids were all on This Is Your Life, which was uh, from the was the, the eighty seven or something like that you did. Yeah, yeah, I was think it was that. Yeah, it was Eamon Andrews. Which is it's always kind of I've, I've seen this a few a few times because it's obviously yeah it was it was one of the last ones. Was it the last one Eamon Andrews did or one of the last ones he did? The one the last one that was shown before he died. I think there was two before that, uh, two after it. So uh, um, two other recordings, but it was the last one he he took ill. And uh, he actually watched it in his hospital bed, would right. you believe it? Uh, it was very emotional. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I wrote to his wife, Grania, and just said that it was just... Well, he, Eamon, if any, was just a very warm, wonderful personality. I mean, if you ever watch YouTube, when he surprised Frank, Frank Carson, it's just the two accents, Frank from Belfast. <laughs> Eamon go, tonight, Frank Carson, this is your life. Ah! Eamon, is it really me? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of Frank's favourite jokes, I love him telling was, I was at a bar and a fellow shouts, Frank, lend us a tenner. I said, I can't hear you. <laughs> he said, lend us a tenner. I said, I can't hear you. The barman said, I can hear him. He said, well, you lend him a tenner then. <laughs> And did you really not know it was coming? There was a kind of weird coincidence that happened on the This Is Your Life. Yes. Uh, when we were, when Mae was singing with her sister and we all used to go round, we, we, nobody could drive. We hadn't drive then. We were all in our, well, they were younger, 17, 18. I was only mid-20s. And we got these bangers that couldn't go. But Evelyn was the, the oldest sister and she was the only one who could drive. So it broke down once on the way home from a gig. Uh, so a Bedford van. And we tried to push it up the hill. Um, and the police actually stopped the police car. And the two policemen gave us a hand to push it up the hill. And then, it, and then they waved to us and everything. I mean, that would never, with a computer, they would know there's no, it wasn't taxed, it wasn't insured. <laughs> I mean, we should all have been locked up. But that was the era then, really, wasn't it? You know. And then Evelyn then, obviously, because I got married to May and then... Uh, my sister Margaret married a, a school teacher and they went to live in Leeds. So Evelyn, I suppose, you know, so she emigrated to Australia. Then you fast forward 15 years later and I come up down to London on the train, come up Oxford Circus to Oxford Street and who do I see? It's Evelyn walking towards with her husband. Right. And she goes, shh. Tell me I'm coming up to Rochdale in a couple of days. And I bought into that completely. Right. Really. In fact, and I went to see my agent who was in Regent Street, that lady, Phyllis Rance, managed Rod Hall. It's all knitting together. (laughs) And and she said, um, she went and rang them and they were going to cancel the program because the surprise element is a big thing in that, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that surprise. And they were. But I genuinely didn't know Richard. The next day, I had a book out, Letters from My Mammy, and I was meant to promote it on a building site. And as the, the... car turned the corner there was Eamon in the hard hat with Evelyn uh, tonight uh, Jimmy Cricket here we are it was a, a daytime so it was, uh, normally he would say it at night so he said this is your sister Evelyn who you met yesterday in Oxford Street <laughs> and then as they drove me by the uh, the producer said now we want you your your wife still doesn't know Evelyn's coming but apparently she thinks she's sick so when Eamon gets to that point yeah. you know you're meant to say uh, he'll say, May, uh, your sister, yeah, she can't come tonight. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> She's here. So she came through and they, they had all the crown. We got yeah. the. No, the it's tears. great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was, it's, a, it's, 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 it's such a weird thing. It must be weird for you to look back at that. that. It's, a, it's a lovely thing to have. It's obviously all your family members there and some of them who won't be Oh, with they're us all anymore. over from Northern Ireland. Yeah. They drank the green room dry. <laughs> 
it's such a risky program. This is your life because your family's kind of okay because they're mainly showbiz. But yeah. you know, you've, you've got these, you've got like family members come on and who can't have to tell a story, and it's recorded as live or was it going out live? Because they they never seem to edit it, those shows. Yes, yes, it yeah. was recorded. Yes, yeah. it was. But yeah. uh, but you know, you often see these kind of terrible, <laughs> terrible little yeah. stories. And, mm, yeah. But it was a beautiful one. Yours. But it's weird. It must be weird. It must be weird, you know, seeing having that that little time capsule of your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, when they're all tiny. I yeah. mean, in Northern, with Belfast, where we all live, they still show it. A lot of the family that came over, cousins. <laughs> it's like a holiday snapshots. It's exciting because yeah. they all say, "Oh, look, he's wearing that." With because they were all younger then, weren't yeah. they? I had a, a, a school friend called Brendy O'Gorman. And he went up to him and he gave him the camera. He said, Eamon, could you take a photograph of Jimmy and me here? You know? <laughs> so uh, they were characters. Lovely. And uh, you, uh, you worked with Eddie Braben as well, of course, on your TV show and radio shows as well. Eddie was special. I remember the day I knocked the door and I had uh, a briefcase and he said, I see you've got your sandwiches with you. And uh, it, it was lovely. Uh, um, he worked in radio and television. And I remember um, he moved out to North Wales. And I remember him ringing me once and he said, Jimmy, I don't think the farmer next door trusts me. I said, why is that, Eddie? He said, every evening before he goes in, he takes his field with him. Right? <laughs> it's surreal, really, yeah. isn't it? And he had this radio show himself that he wrote and starred in called The Show with Ten Legs. Okay. Right? And a BBC executive rang and said... Uh, uh, Mr. Brabham, you've got a show coming up now uh, called The Show with Leg Ten Legs. He said, yes. Uh, how many are in the show, may I ask? And Eddie said, oh, there's six of us. Uh, shouldn't that be The Show with Twelve Legs? And Eddie said, quick as a flash, no, two of us stand on one leg. <laughs> <laughs> he was just sort of a comedy genius. Well, obviously the Markman Wises are, are in, embedded. The, yeah. You know, the great stuff that he wrote. I mean, Eric and uh, Ernie... It carried it to another level, but a lot of it was Eddie's to, you know, give them the, helping them. Because television, obviously, you need that support, don't yeah, you, really? Yeah. It's not like you can do your act to everybody, but you need that. And, and Eddie kept them going with some wonderful material. Sid and Dick, Sid Green, Dick, did the early day. The, the boys were blessed and they had two great, uh, three great comedy writers, a, a, a twosome in their early days. Yeah. And then when uh, Eric had his heart attack, then Eddie came in and did all the stuff for them now. So it was great stuff. Yeah, no, it was incredible. Um, oh, nice, isn't it? <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about the, you know, the derivation. The costume came together and the, how, the catchphrases, did they just evolve? As yeah, you they came going? from the club, come here, there's yeah. more. And, you know, uh, yeah, I went to the doctor and I said... Uh, uh, I went to see the doctor last week. I said, doctor, last week, come here. I think my eyesight's failing. He said, it's gone completely. This is the laundrette. <laughs> and to keep their attention in the clubs, because they'd start drinking, because they weren't facing you like the, the audience tonight. They're obviously in a table. They're talking. So I'd say, oh, and there's more. I said, doctor, close the door. There's more. I've got a right toe on my left foot and a left toe on my right foot. He said, you've got myxomatosis. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I know where I'm going to go, then you do something like that, and uh, I'm taking you on with. I throw oh, you a curve. That's, uh, that's what I'd like. You emailed me yesterday just to ask about this, and in the email, I like, dear Richard, uh, come close to the screen. <laughs> it's very good. But once you've got something like that, I mean, that's in those days you were building up an act over years All and years. All the time, and so that, so that once, you, once yeah. you had your break, which you know is still like ten years. It was that in the nineteen eighty that the start, yeah, the like start. One, 81, 82, So you'd been yeah. over, you know, ten years out on the circuit or whatever, and and you you've built up that act. Sure. And so it's bulletproof, really, isn't it? And you've, well, you've got you've, you've got those things that will just that will just make people laugh, you know, because they they love you and they get the. It's, it's just such a lovely thing to get that those kind of catchphrases. You've got a few of them, really. Yeah that, yeah. that all work. Well, thank you. That's very, very kind of you. Yeah. Thank you. It's all right. But it's, you know, but that's, that, it's the, the look and the, and the catchphrases. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a... Oh, part of, of, you know, uh, with, with comedy. Yeah, it, but it, I don't know if it happens so much now. I don't know whether mm. comedians now... Do, do, the, the things that you miss from the old days of comedians, there's some things from the old days of comedians that are best left in the past. But there's some <laughs> things from the... There's something from the uh, what I like when you when you uh, saw people like uh, Bruce Forsyth interviewed. They'd say they would never put on their suit 
in the dressing room, they would never sit down in their suit because they didn't want to crease their suit. Yeah. So everyone would wear suits and everyone wow. would like not sit, not, yes. not wear them until they were just about to go on stage. Yeah. And that sort of thing doesn't really happen. Even that kind of showbiz professionalism. But the things like that that yeah. you think of that we've lost now or are you happy that things have changed? No, I like that. I, 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 look, I, I think youth must have its fling and I think if that's what, you know, the younger people, that's great. But, uh, I... I do miss that. I, I, you, you, you prodded me, and I might fall out with you over that, but I do. <laughs> uh, it's like with, with, with Ken, Ken Dodd. I, I was lucky enough to have him as a friend, and, uh, you know, he, he just would spur no. He would do, like, four or five hours, and he'd put all his make everything, all his, his whole thing. He, when I reached the grand old age of 50... And I was in a restaurant with my family and they had arranged for him to come in and he came through the door with a tickling stick in one hand and a pair of concrete Wellingtons on the other. <laughs> and he prompted down and three or four years ago, I had them pinched. Oh. Yeah, well, I got a lot of publicity out of it. In fact, Bertie... <laughs> it's an ill wind. <laughs> in fact, I wrote a little tiny poem. Yeah. Can I, can yeah. I, can I share it with you? A thief broke into my back garden. To be honest, the damage he did was minimal. But he stole my concrete Wellingtons. Police are looking for a hardened criminal. <laughs> and there's more. <laughs> a present from Ken Dodd with a tickling stick and some pink champagne to drink. Unfortunately, I spilt the champagne and everybody was tickled pink. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm getting into the emotion of it. Yes. How I'm gonna miss those cement-clad water boots. I suppose they'll finish up in eBay, I guess. But if they ever were returned, it would turn my tears of regret into tears of happiness. <laughs> I must actually, I was reading about Ronnie O'Sullivan yesterday, okay. uh, the great world snooker champion, and I, towards the end, he actually does a wonderful thing about it. he was inspired, would you believe, by Ken. He said, well, uh, you know, as obviously he loved all the great sports people, Roger Federer, but he says, what I love about him was he, right up to the, to the day he passed away, he was, you know, entertaining, making people laugh, and he, 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 he uh, Ronnie says this, he didn't have BBC or ITV telling them what to do, you know, because Roddy's that sort of rebel as well, isn't he, with a yeah. snooker thing. And I rang Ken Dodd's wife, actually, yesterday, his widow, and she was very emotional when I told her and said, can you send me that cutting? So I have it ready to send to Ken's wife about what Roddy said. Oh, so, yeah. But it was amazing. It was amazing. Do, do, do you think you'll be going on as long as Ken Dodd? Are you going to retire? I wish. I, if I should be so lucky, that would be lovely. Yeah, what a great 90. I mean, yeah. I'll take that. You know, it's fabulous, isn't it? Do you want to, do you want to go with your boots on? Your wellies yes. on? Yeah, well, I definitely think, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> I, I, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can, it's a good way to go, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. Um, I, mean, I was going to... Briefly, I've got to wrap up quite soon. But I was going to, and you wrote very movingly about Barry, Barry Chuckle, who you worked with, who we lost yeah. last year. And yeah, the boys were wonderful. I did pantomime up in Darlington, and uh, Barry actually lived in Darlington. When you do pantomime, you're there for 10 weeks, aren't you? Mm -hmm. So uh, Paul uh, had a house outside Darlington, but Barry lived, and we, we were staying at the same hotel. Well, different, but inside. So in pant when you're away from home, you're always looking for places to grub up. You know, and usually if it's McDonald's or it's, it's, it's uh, you know, um, well. <laughs> but we found this place that cooked home-cooked meals. Okay. And uh, so we'd all meet, uh, Barry and I between houses and, and uh, the matinee in the evening show and have the steak and kidney pie and just lovely memories, you know, of, of the boys. I'd love to have seen you and Barry Chuckle sitting down eating steak and kidney pie. Imagine just going to that restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> seeing Jimmy Cricket and Barry Chuckle. To you, to me, come here. Before, <laughs> <to you. laughs> well, look, we're going to have to wrap up. Did you want to do... Uh, one of my favourite things you've done, and a lot, a lot of comedians have said this to me, actually, is the letter from your oh, mammy thing. Well, I just happened to have, have one. Oh. <laughs> well, it's just a little... 
one. She said, uh, dear son, I hope you have a wonderful time with Richard and everybody at the, um, the Lare. Um, your father's very worried about this Brexit. He thinks when we leave Brussels, he won't be able to get any more sprites. <laughs> we were at a party last night, son, and we all did the Brexit hokey-cokey. It was in, out, and we weren't too sure what to do after that. <coughs> it was my birthday last week, and the whole family bought me a flat-screen television set. I don't like it. My ornaments keep slipping off the top. <laughs> Your nephew, Kieran, has been arrested for picking blackberries. He was picking them at two o'clock in the morning in a shop that sold computers. <laughs> he told the police he was acting on medical advice. The doctor told him to keep taking the tablets. <laughs> Your cousin Evan <laughs> has split with his cross-eyed girlfriend. He said she's been seeing other men. <laughs> and your Aunt Agatha has passed away at the ripe old age of 96. As you know, son, she never ever married and she left instructions there were to be no male pallbearers at the funeral. She said, they never took her out when she was alive. They weren't taking her out now. <laughs> Your sister Mary has managed to quit smoking with the aid of patches. She puts one over each eye and she can't find her cigarette. <laughs> A man called and asked me what I thought of euthanasia. I told them they weren't much different than the youth in Ireland. <laughs> I'm waiting to put the cat out, but he hasn't come in yet. I'm taking my false teeth back because they're too big. They won't fit in the glass by the side of the bed. <laughs> you won't recognize the house when you come home. We've moved. <laughs> Our new house is next to a golf course that has 900 holes. The man that looks after it has a wooden leg. <laughs> it's a funny family next door. The girl is not neat and the two boys are bow-legged. When they walk down the street with her in the middle, they spell OXO. <laughs> well, that's all the news for now, son. <laughs> But before I go, I must tell you one more thing. Come closer to the letter. <laughs> I went to visit your granddad's grave and the headstone was a little bit tilted. I got a piece of wire, tied one end to the headstone and the other end to a tree. Since then, your granny's been and she thinks he's had the telephone put in. <laughs> Lots of happiness from your loving mommy. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the podcast, Jimmy. I uh, hope there's another 25 years in there. Hope there's more. There's you have Jimmy Cricket. Have you out there? Jimmy Cricket, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> thank you very much. Stay, stick around until next week. We'll be back next week with some more. Thank you very much.
How do you like them Sky potatoes? <laughs> 